Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. Negativity is a corrosive force in our life. In this episode, Pastor Andrew reveals the awesome power of our souls when we're in sync with God and how to reduce the impact of negativity in our life. God is an awesome God. Your soul will produce the things you do not have. So who doesn't have some things at the moment that they really like to have? Everyone's got what they want. There's nothing that you want, nothing that you desire. God hasn't given you a vision you don't yet have. Are there things that you would love to have but you don't have yet? Well, let me tell you, your soul will produce the things you do not have. Now, when we say that, we're not saying your soul by yourself will do that. Your soul with God will produce the very things that you have in the desires of your hearts. James 1, 21, 22 says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, this is not simply having read the word of God. It's not even simply having the Word of God in your head, in your mind. It is having the Word of God go from your head to your heart. It's not enough to read the Scriptures. I remember we had a young convert named Peter back in Melbourne some years ago and I instructed him to read his Bible and to pray. Just basic Christian things you should do. And a few months later he came and said, I've been reading my Bible every day and I've been praying every day. And I said, so what? He says, what do you mean, so what? It's what you told me to do. I said, yeah, but are you practicing it? Is that word gone from the page into your head and into your heart? You ever had a time when something has happened or somebody has said something and you react? Anyone had that? Were you ever sorry for the way you reacted? You ever kicked yourself afterwards? So what God is wanting us to do is to have his word so implanted in our soul that when those things happen, we react with his attitude, with his perspective, with his words, not how should I act as a Christian today. If that's the question you've got to ask yourself, it's not in your heart. It's in your head, but it's not yet in your heart. When it's in your heart, you will respond to those events in the same way that Jesus would respond. Because what God is wanting to do in us is to create in us the life of Jesus. Not him as our example, but him as the living word dwelling in our hearts whereby we can respond to the things of life and begin to show God's attitude, God's heart to people as those things impact our life. Have you ever noticed that some people seem to live in the favour of God Everything they touch turns to gold. Everything seems to go right. By the way, I actually think we should be becoming like that. 
But you know, the favor of God doesn't mean the elimination of problems. It means the overcoming of them. But others go from failure to failure, everything working against them. Now, the difference between failure and favor has to do with us on the inside taking a hold of what God wants. So you know those times when the circumstances and the people impacting you just emotionally and spiritually totally overwhelm you. And you're just begging God for help. Begging him to sort the situation out. Crying to heaven for a miracle. Crying that he would step in and act. But you know when we get into that situation there's something that we need to do. We need to step back for a moment from the circumstances and say, Father God, what are you doing through this circumstance? We often think that God hangs out up there somewhere out in the universe and every now and again pops in. Somehow we relay our cry out to him and he finally somewhere in the distance hears us and sends help down. In every instance we go through, God is there. He hasn't deserted us. He hasn't left us. He is there. And we need to say, what's your plan, God? What are you doing through this circumstance? Sometimes the worst circumstances can bring the best results. So we need to step back and say, God, what are you doing? And allow God to do that. So next time you hit a problem, a difficulty that's overwhelming you, step back for a moment and say, God, what are you doing? Why are you in the midst of this? What is happening and what do you want to achieve through it? We keep asking God to give us better circumstances, better people, better friends, more money and all that. And we think that God's got to change the outside for us to be comfortable. But what God wants to do is change the inside of us so that we begin to challenge those circumstances and see them transformed in God. That change is able to save us from a negative picture about ourselves, our looks, and our abilities. When you look in the mirror in the morning, just as you got out of bed, what do you see? You know, in Psalm 139, David says, I see the wonderful works of God. So next time you stand in that mirror and you're looking with your hair crumpled and your beard, if you're a man, and you think, wow, what a wonderful work. Do you think you could do that? And that's who you are. That word is able to transform our souls so we see ourselves as God sees us. We see ourselves in a different light. It's also able to save us from negative attitudes and perspectives. Perception is often more real than the truth. And as leaders, we need to recognise it's not what we're doing, it's what we're perceived to be doing that actually affects people, either challenges them or reacts them. It's what they think we're doing, not what we're actually doing. We have to deal with perceptions. And we need to let God deal with our perceptions to transform our souls so we begin to see what God sees, what God's doing, what God's able to do and not the limitations of our own human understanding 
and human perspective. And we need to allow God to change our attitude. How often has the children come home from school with bad attitude? How often has dad come home from work with bad attitude? How often has mum, after a hard day of slogging it out, has attitude? We had this little trick we used to do in our family when any of us had attitude, and this included the adults and the children, we had to go down the stairs, open the front door and kick out the meanie bunnies. We sort of gave them that term, they're the meanie bunnies. And you know, inevitably, when that was done, the person came back without attitude. We need to kick attitude out or change attitude. That word and the presence of Christ in our hearts and our lives is able to change our attitude. The testimony of the Lord is pure, converting the soul. In Psalm 119 it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Testimony of God is able to change transform and mould our souls. Our growth comes from our souls. If it happens inside of us, it will impact outside of us. You can prosper as your soul prospers. In 3 John 2 it says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. Isn't that awesome? Praying for his friend that you might prosper and be in good health. And he says, just as your soul prospers. Now, have you ever felt the need to pray for somebody that you felt just was out of kilt, wasn't right with God, didn't seem to be doing the right things, and you sort of begin to say, Lord, fix this up in them and fix that up in them. But you know, that's a binding prayer. That's a deterministic prayer. We are determining what they should be with those types of prayers. But when we say, God, just prosper their soul, Someone whose soul is prospering will have different attitudes, a different heart, different actions, different perspective. We think somebody's life needs to change. Don't start praying for what they're doing. Don't start praying for what we think they should do. Start praying that God would prosper their soul. You cannot manipulate people to do what you think they should do. That is not a Christian principle. And pastors try to do it, and people try to do it, husbands try to do it, wives try to do it, kids try to do it. A kid will go to mum and say, mum, can I go and do something? She says, no way in the world. So then go to dad. Dad, can I go and do it? Oh, yeah, go ahead. And they go back to mum and say, dad said I could see you later. You ever had that? Manipulation is not a Christian principle. It will always go wrong on you. It will never produce right fruit. We need to allow God to change our heart. And if we think somebody else's heart needs changing, we simply pray, Lord, just prosper their souls. Because if their soul prospers, they'll change like God wants them to change. Not how we 
wanting to change. When we do that, we begin to overcome negativity because negativity has to do with the condition of your soul. You know, sometimes we will hit a negative influence and some people will take over our focus and we have to discipline ourselves to stay focused on what God is asking us and not take notice of the distractions because sometimes they are distractions to take us away from what God intends us to do. Now, maybe those who find favour do not allow negativity to destroy them. They seem to be able to bounce back again. They are not ruled by the bottom of the pile. There are times when in a meeting you'll be looking at a project and somebody will say, look, we need to know the worst scenario. I remember in Melbourne, one of the teams saying that to me about a building project. We'd just come up about four scenarios. And he said, we also need to know the worst one. I says, why? Why do we need to know the worst one? Is that what we're expecting? Are we expecting the worst? Now, sometimes you need plan A and you do need a default, a fallback. But the fallback doesn't have to be the worst. It can just be a little bit different to the first. But go all out for what you sense God really wants to do. And do it the best that you can. One of the things we need to overcome as Christians and as church people is doing things on the cheap. And do you know, God has a habit of backing excellence. As long as we got it right from him, we go for the best. Negativity always reflects in defeat. It's always about us. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to watch over our heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. When we hit some difficult problems and troubles, we need to be really careful that it doesn't infiltrate our hearts because that's where the springs of life come from. We can almost endure anything if our heart's right, if our heart's whole, if it's still flowing with the springs of life when that's happening in your heart the springs of life are flowing out they continue to pump out great awesome power thoughts ideas even when we're assailed and being overwhelmed totally by things that are happening in our life as that heart keeps pumping out the good things the good thoughts there's a hope don't give up now there's a hope out there it can happen god is with you and they're the sort of thoughts that we need to be getting our heart to do. Negativity always justifies itself. You can excuse any behaviour. We need to stop making excuses for what we do and change them. Negativity chooses your friends for you. Proverbs 13 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. He chooses the voices we listen to. Do not allow too much of people's negativities to get inside of you. Negative people will not have positive friends because positive people bug the life out of them. Negative people will always find one another in a crowd and a negative person will isolate themselves. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire he quarrels against all sound wisdom. And a negative person is self-indulgent. 
Negativity tends to magnify and distort the truth. We had a saying at Belan that we're reducing the mountains to molehills. Do you know we make mountains out of things? Our anxiety drives us in such a way that we increase the problem instead of minimising it and saying it's just a problem. And do you know some people are brought up in an environment when something goes wrong, they are the problem. You ever heard that? When something goes wrong, oh, what have I done now? Some people grow up knowing that anything that goes wrong is their fault. And it can hit you here. But if you actually get it right, you're one of God's wonderful works. You're not the problem. You've got some problems, and when you get it outside of you, then you can begin to resolve them and deal with them. Negativity destroys good perception. I love this bit. It destroys clarity and colour. And you know, when we get into a negative circumstance, we lose our colour, we lose our humour, we forget to see the beauty. Negativity makes unfair statements and general sweeping judgments. It is the log in the eye syndrome. Imagine someone who's got a telegraph pole coming out of their eye and when they move, everybody ducks. That's what we do when we want to fix the speck in our brother's eyes instead of looking at what God might want to fix in us. Negativity negates the work of the Holy Spirit. It nullifies it. It neutralizes Do you know that the Holy Spirit is extremely sensitive. You and I can offend him. Paul tells us not to grieve the Spirit of God by our attitudes, by our bitterness, our malice, our negativity. Negativity destroys the work of the Holy Spirit. Finally, negativity contaminates the environment. You become what you hate. If you keep focusing on what's wrong with other people in their lives, you're going to become like them. We become like what we focus on. If we start focusing on people's strengths, what the good things they do, our focus on God, our focus on Jesus, guess what? We're going to, need to become just like that. And just two things. We need to educate our souls. We need to make sure that our soul is learning and we need to tell it when to keep quiet. Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2, it says, My soul waits in silence, for God only from him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. There are times when we need to tell our soul to be quiet. What's our soul doing? It's getting anxious, it's getting worried. It's focused on the problems, it's focused on the troubles, it's focused on the impossibilities. And we need to say, hey soul, cease and desist and be still before the Lord. And let's get our focus on what God's saying to us and believe it. And do you know our soul is persistent in not doing that? Do you find that? We are so persistent in worrying about the problem. And God says, get your focus on me, be still on me, wait for me and you will not believe what God can do in the circumstances that threaten you. Let us bow our heads in prayer. If you've been assailed, if you've been overthrown, or you sense you have attitudes that you need to allow God to transform, just 
Lift them to Jesus as I pray. Lord Jesus, you're in an awesome power in our life. You went to the cross for us. You took our sin, our rebellion. You took our problems. You took our illnesses upon yourself on the cross. And we ask now that your miracle-working healing power would cleanse our souls, renew us this day, and raise us up to do awesome things for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.